1 Corinthians chapter number 15. I'll start in verse number 51. It's only three points. Number one is kind of like a cheat over there. So the first point is the text. We're just going to read it. So you know that after this, there's two more points. So if you listen quick, I'll speak quick and then, uh, <laughs> and then it'll be over. But let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your words. Lord, we thank you that because of your words, we can know what your plan is for us and um, what your timeline is for us. And we can have hope, dear God. We can know what our hope is. And we know what you have done, the Lord Jesus Christ hath done for us, our, your death, your burial and your resurrection thank you lord that that's the gospel and once we trust that your finished work for our salvation is sufficient for us then we know that we are saved lord we lift up everyone dear god in this room and those that are listening to us and those who can't but are praying for us and those who just can't father in times when uh they have discouragement and pain, and sorrow. I pray that the blessed hope would become an encouragement to them, Father. This we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to start in verse number 51. And very familiar portion of Scripture, because this is talking about the rapture, or the catching away, or... The blessed hope. The Bible says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. It's not talking about in here, amen. That's talking about something else. But we shall all be changed. Praise God. How many people? All be changed. And who, wh what people is that? Who is the audience? We'll talk about that here in a bit. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, it's not in the blinking, because if the blinking is fast, much faster is the twinkling, amen. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, praise God, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and the mortal and this mortal must put on immortality. Just a few notes about this verse over here. The I speaking there, who is speaking? That's the Apostle Paul. I show you a mystery. The rapture, the, cap, the catching away is called a mystery by the Apostle Paul himself. Of course, he's revealing it at this point. That explains why people can't understand it to this day. To them, it's still a mystery. <laughs> and I'll show you why here in a bit. Now, if it is a mystery to many people, people tend to ridicule what they do not understand. Increasingly, more and more, on television or on social media or just everywhere in the news, people actually mock or laugh at the term rapture and people who believe in that term. 
Why? Understandably so, because people tend to ridicule what they do not understand. People tend to ridicule what is a mystery to them. People tend to disbelieve what they do not understand or what is a mystery, what is in, in ex, not explainable to them. And then, sadly, people who claim to believe do not know how to defend it because of the lack of understanding. It's a mystery even to Christians, even to Bible-believing Christians this day. What to them is a mystery to them, it's hard to understand, it's hard to it's hard to defend. Moving forward, verse 54. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, praise God, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Whew. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. So a few more notes about this verse over here. The mystery says that the Apostle Paul, or sorry, the, the, this mystery that the Apostle Paul is revealing says that we shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. It says we shall go from corruptible to incorruptible. It's filthy. The world is filthy and sometimes we can't, we can't avoid to be part of that or around that filthiness. But God said there will come a time when the corruptible will become incorruptible and the mortal will become immortal. If death has no sting, if the grave has no victory, if sin has no strength and the law of no effect, then what does it matter what the, those that ridicule say? Amen? Next verse, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-seven. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the what? If God gave us the victory, then are we winners or losers? Winners, amen. But that victory can only be through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, and you've heard a lot of Bible teachers say that, if you read the word therefore, you got to stop and see what it's there for. <laughs> amen. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And that's why the title of our message today is The Practical Applications of Our Catching Away, or in short, The Practical Applications of, our, of the Rapture. So we know about the Rapture, you've heard about it, you believe it, so what? How is that going to affect our lives? What's that supposed to do with us? That's why there's a therefore. After the Apostle Paul talks about this mystery, which is the rapture, he says, I've given you the facts, therefore. Praise God, Brother Bill. Uh, you don't know how much that message last Sunday prepared this, paved the way for this. That's all glory goes to God. Amen. Because even if you don't feel like, hey, the rapture is going to come anytime soon. Even if you don't feel like you're a Christian sometimes. Even if you don't feel that you're on the winning side. The facts say you've already won in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, 
Like I said, there's only three points. We've already gone to point number one, which is the text. <laughs> so point number two is this. Why is the rapture, or the biblical term for it, is the catching away called a mystery? Why did Paul call it a mystery? And why is it placed at the end of the dispensation of grace and not in the middle of the tribulation? See that there's a typographical error there. <laughs> why is it not placed in the middle of the tribulation or at the end of the tribulation? Why does God, why would God take away the body of Christ, the church which is the body of Christ, before the seven year of tribulation. So that means the rapture is right before the seven year of tribulation. Why is that? Now, if you remember the last month, we've been talking about our message called Porch Pirates. Remember? And, one, and this is one of the slides from there. It's actually a review and we talked about some of the fundamental uh, differences between Israel and the body of Christ. The first of, first which is, uh, when it comes to inheritance, the inheritance of Israel is earthly. And the inheritance which is the church, the body of Christ, is heavenly. And that's what we actually, it all ties in together. Praise God for that. Um, when you read the term uh, pre, sorry. Predestination. There you go. I'm there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm there already. <laughs> My memory is not as good as it was. Predestination. Satan who says, or Lucifer who says, I want to be like the most high. The most high is the possessor of heaven and earth. That's why he hates Israel because they have the earthly inheritance. But that's why he hates the church, the body of Christ, because we have the heavenly inheritance. And then we talked about the program, which is the program for Israel is prophecy. And the program for the church, which is the body of Christ, is mystery. And then operating system or the dispensation for Israel is the law. And ours is grace. Now I, say, I said that uh, to say this. We live in what the Bible itself labeled as the dispensation of grace. It's not something that Brother Francis invented or people or preachers from the 1800 invented. It's actually a correct biblical term. It's the dispensation of grace. And this dispensation of grace, according to the Bible, was a mystery to everyone in the Old Testament. Hence, it is called the mystery program. Let me, please allow me to explain before us all jumping to conclusions, all right? Let's go to Ephesians chapter number 3, verse, well, I'm, I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 10, so bear with me for a bit. The Bible says, For this cause, I, Paul, who's speaking, I, Paul, not I, but Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. Who is he talking to? The Gentiles, or us, amen. If you have heard of the term that Brother Francis invented, which is the dispensation of the grace. Nope, I did not invent that, right? It's, it's, it's been around since the Apostle Paul. If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to who? Who is that me? Paul. It was given to Paul to dispense to you, word to the Gentiles. Or we now know the church, which is the body of Christ. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. 
as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Right? So it's a mystery. In the next verse, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. I have a chart actually over here. It was written by one, a famous Baptist preacher from the 1920s. His name is Clarence Larkin. So I'm sure you guys are, you've heard of him or uh, a really famous Baptist preacher. He has, he has known from all, for all of his, uh, his right division study and his charts, which I'll show you here later on. But the Bible says, not Larkin, the Bible, him, the Bible itself says, this mystery, where we live right now, the mystery in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed when the Apostle Paul was talking unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. What is that mystery? The Bible defines it shortly. Here it is. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God. Did you know that in biblical times, Gentiles were mostly second class citizens? The Jews did not even want to have anything to do with them. And then all of a sudden, the Apostle Paul splits the screen and says, Hey, Gentiles, Jews, as long as you trust in God, in the Lord Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, you can be part of that same body. Whew! Whereof, continuing to read, I was made the minister. Who is that? That's the Apostle Paul. According to the gift of the grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of His power. To be sure that it was given to the Apostle Paul, it says, unto me. Not me, Francis, but unto me, the Apostle Paul, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given. What grace was given to the Apostle Paul? That I should preach among the Gentiles, and that's why you've heard this many times, the Apostle Paul is the Apostle to the Gentiles. That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. You want to tag that in your brain here, because we're going to talk about that here pretty soon. The unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God. So this mystery was hid in God and it was not made known into the sons of men. Right? Now, to illustrate what I'm talking, what this verse is talking about, I show you the, uh, the, sorry, to illustrate the mystery period in contrast to the prophecy period, here is a chart drawn by American Baptist pastor from the 1920s, Clarence Larkin. Can you see that? Now, what you have here in the chart, you have a prophet in the Old Testament so he lives in the Old Testament, all right? Looking at important prophetic events, he can see the, the birth of the Messiah. 
And then he can see all, well, Isaiah 53 was prophesied. He can see the death of the Messiah. He can see the second coming of the Lord Jesus. He can even see the Antichrist. And he can see the millennial kingdom. All these things are heavily prophesied in the Bible. That's why they can see it. That's why this is called the period of Israel or the program of Israel is called the prophetic program. You know what he couldn't see? Right here. The body of Christ. And you know what else he couldn't see? The rapture, which happens over here before the tribulation. That's why so many people mistake the second coming and the rapture. They look at the Bible, read a passage about the second coming of Christ, and they think, oh, that's talking about the rapture. Or they interchange it, right? The second coming of Christ is heavily prophesied. That's why it's part of the mystery, right? The rapture, the catching away is not part of prophecy. That's why it's called the mystery, amen. What does that imply for us? Well, I'm glad you all asked. Amen. <laughs> so what? All right. Another, uh, let's see here. None of them saw the church age on the dispensation or, or the dispensation of grace. None of them saw that God would make the Gentiles part of the same body, the body of Christ. Jesus over here even tried to explain to the Apostle Peter that he was going to die, going to get buried and then rise again the third day. And he said, if it's not, if, then the Apostle Peter said it was not going to happen if he could help it. Remember that? Then Paul splits the, the scene and had a revelation that all of a sudden, we, the Gentiles, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called the uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by hands, that at that time we were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus Ye who, were so, who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. All of a sudden, all we got to do. Back here, all the Gentiles, if they wanted to be part of the inheritance, they have to go through the nation of Israel. Over here, no sir. All you got to do is believe. <laughs> Amen. No more, no more offering of anything. No more following the law. No more going through the nation of Israel. Over here, all you got to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Amen. Another illustration to make this simple, a little more modern explanation over here, is uh, if... Well, over here is Adam and then Noah and then because men just kept on failing God's covenants, all of a sudden God says, I'm going to deal with one family, the family of Abraham, and in him shall all nations of the world be blessed. And so all of a sudden he has a separate line for Israel. Okay, The first timeline, this is the first timeline over here I'm going to show you, that uh, shows what the prophets saw. If you were living over here and talked to a prophet and asked them, Mr. Prophet, what's the timeline of God's dealing with men? This is how he's going to explain it to you. He's not going to be able to explain the church age over here because he did not see it. 
It's a mystery to him. So that's, what they would exp- that's how they would explain it in the Old Testament. But, so there's the cross. And then all of a sudden, uh, when, when the Lord Jesus Christ was, well, if they accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their king, they would, Rome would still crucify him. And then he would come down. And then all of a sudden, the Antichrist would, or sorry, the Antichrist would appear. That's how they, that's how they saw prophecy. But that's not what happened, is it? This is what happened. All of a sudden, the dispensation of grace appeared. This is the mystery over here. Now, to summarize all of that, that's point number two. (laughs) When we get to preaching in the last five minutes here, which is almost, right? I hope this will all tie up. To To summarize, the mystery, which is the rapture or the catching away, is he is the one that's going to end the mystery period, which is the dispensation of grace. During the prophetic period, no one knew about the dispensation of grace. It was hid in God, and in other ages was not made known unto the sons of man. That is why it's called the unsearchable riches of Christ. If you searched for biblical passages, in the Old Testament about the rapture, chances are it's about the second coming and not about the rapture. Because the second coming is heavily prophesied. The rapture, nope. It was the Apostle Paul who talked about that. Right? That's why it's called the unsearchable riches of Christ. Remember in the book of John, when God said, when Jesus Christ told the scribes and Pharisees, search the scriptures, for in them you think that ye have eternal life. That means they can search prophetic things back then because they did not have the, the complete Bible yet. Now we're in the mystery period. Right? I hope it's, please bear with me. I know sometimes it may probably go over our heads, but please bear with me. I'll, I'll, we're going to tie it over together when we get to the end here. The mystery that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of the promise of Christ by the gospel was given to the Apostle Paul to dispense to us, the Gentiles. You still with me? Right. Because the Apostle Paul was made the minister to the Gentiles, he wrote his epistles to us to show all men what is the fellowship of the mystery. This is why we are in the mystery period and not in the prophecy period. Don't grab promises that are in the prophecy period because that's being a porch pirate. See that? You can grab it and and there's a lot of practical applications like the Proverbs and the Psalms. But when it comes to doctrinal, especially salvation and stuff like that, you have to rightly divide it. Amen. Then the Apostle Paul said, so we live in a mystery period, right? A a mystery period, like a a, a, um, parenthetical period here. Then the Apostle Paul said, behold... I show you a mystery. This other mystery, which is the rapture or the catching away, will end the mystery program or the dispensation of grace. 
That is why the rapture is right at the end of the dispensation of grace and not in the middle of the tribulation. All right? You, God said, God's not going to take you through the tribulation because we're going to be raptured out of here first. Amen. That's the explanation of it. Amen. We who live in this mystery period, the Apostle Paul says, wait a second, there's another mystery that's going to happen at the end of that mystery period, and that mystery is called the rapture. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but that sure excites me that I won't have to go through the tribulation. Amen. <laughs> Woo! Now, we know about why that's there. We know about why we believe in the rapture. We know about why it's at the end of the dispensation of grace. So what now? How is that supposed to affect us? Number three, last point. And then this is the preaching actually. Points one and two are just introduction. The practical applications of the rapture. Let me take you to Matthew. Let me give you an, ex- in, in, uh, an example over, over here, an illustration. Matthew 24, I'm going to read from ch- verse 3 to verse 8. The Bible says, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy what? Sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. Question. Time out. I forgot. I have my, I have my, uh, my whistle over here. Time out. What's he talking about here? Is he talking about the rapture or the second coming? He's talking about the second coming. Amen. Well, that's why because people don't talk, because a lot of Christians don't realize or don't, don't uh, realize that the second coming and the rapture are two different events, then they think this is talking about the rapture. So Jesus gives an, gives an answer. Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, for nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and, pes- uh, and uh, pestilences and earthquakes and di- in diverse places. And these are the beginning of sorrows. If you pay close attention, what they are talking about here in the book of Matthew is not the rapture, but the second coming of Christ, which appears seven years after the rapture. Amen? Because Christians do not know the difference, they start looking around for signs for the rapture. We do not need signs because we walk by faith, not by feeling. Amen? And not by sight. We do not need signs because we are not, we don't live in the prophecy period. In in the prophecy period, the Jews require a sign. It can happen anytime right now. That's why we got a lot of people. That's why we have a lot of preachers who put a date on the rapture. I'll be the first one to confess to you. I actually tried to do that too. 
And then when I study the Bible, oh, wait a second, there are no signs for the rapture. It can happen any moment. Amen. So, Christians have become, uh, you know, in the process of looking for signs for the rapture. All of a sudden, they're like, uh-oh, there's wars and rumors of wars. Uh-oh, there's, there's earthquakes. Uh-oh, the rapture is going to happen soon. You know what? Whether there's wars, whether there's earthquakes or not, the rapture can happen today. Amen. We do not need signs for the, raptures, the rapture because there are no signs for the rapture. For the second coming, there's a lot of signs. You know, the Bible says, I, told, I talked about this earlier. The Bible says the rapture is our blessed hope. And because a lot of people think that the second coming is, and the rapture are one and the same, they look around for signs. And when, the, and when that sign, which is supposed to lead the rapture in, that in their minds does not happen, all of a sudden, they get discouraged. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, hope deferred make it the heart sick. You know, we have a lot of heart sick Christians because they're looking for the second coming, but they're not going to be part of that. <laughs> We're going to be part of the rapture. They're looking for signs. And in the process, when you're looking at signs and things like that, you get dismayed by what you find because this world is not our home. Amen? So, what are the practical applications? The first one is found in Colossians chapter number 3, verse 1 to 4. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above. Can I tell you, if you're looking for signs for the second coming, you're looking for wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and how the government is doing such a bad job or a good job or what have you, that's all earthly things and God says, Look for things above. Amen. Set your affection on things above and not on things on this earth. For ye are dead and your life is hid in Christ, in God, with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. So first off, set your affections on things above. Right? There's no sign. You don't have to wait for a sign or look for a sign. The sign that the Bible talks about are signs for the second coming. That's not for us. We're going to be long gone seven years before the second coming happens. Amen. This, you're supposed to look up. You're supposed to look for the Lord Jesus Christ to catch us away. Second thing, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. That's why there's a therefore. Amen. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Number one, look up. Number two, be steadfast, unmovable, amen. Keep on going, keep on doing the good work because your labor is not in vain. We're not talking about labor for salvation, amen. We're talking about just laboring for God after you get saved. Keep on going. Keep on living what the Bible says. Keep on doing what the Bible says. And sometimes you will get ridiculed. And sometimes you will get laughed at. And sometimes your own family might not even believe you. But God says your labor is not in vain. Number one, set your affections on things above. 
Number two, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Number three, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is another verse about the rapture here. Amen. The Bible says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we, how long? Ever be with the Lord. Now here's the practical application. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. When's the last time you talk to your brother and sister in Christ or your loved one and say, Hey, keep on keeping on, brother, sister. The Lord Jesus Christ is about to come and catch us away. You know, you don't hear that in many churches anymore. The Bible commands us to comfort each other. Keep on going, brother. Keep on going, sister. This world is not our home. We're just a passing through. Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Amen. Keep on encouraging each other. Be encouraged yourself if you don't have anyone else to encourage you. The Lord, is Je the Lord Jesus Christ is going to appear soon to catch us away. Comfort one another with these words. Number one, set your affection on things above. Number two, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Number three, comfort one another with these words. And number four, last but not the least, and to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. And that's 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7. Rest with us. You who are troubled, rest with us. Amen. First and foremost, if you're not saved, there's nothing to comfort you about, amen? Because you're not, gonna, you're not going to be included in that catching away. The first thing you need to do is be saved, amen? To summarize, and then we're done. What are the practical applications of the rapture or the catching away? First and foremost, you have to be risen with Christ. If ye then be risen with Christ, set your affection and things above, right? First and foremost, you have to be risen with Christ. That means if you are not saved, you won't be included in the rapture. Meaning, the first thing you need to do under the sound of my voice, whether you're in here or internet land, you need to be saved first. Amen. You need to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, in His finished work, in His death, burial, and resurrection, that that alone can save you and nothing else. Amen. Second, when you're saved already, are you saved? Amen. Set your affection on things above. We have a lot of good programs going on in this world done by Christians or, or just by the government or whoever. There's a lot of good programs going on, amen? Like, uh, you know, whether it's from schools or AAs or, or, or rehabs or something like that. And praise God for the victories that those things can bring. But outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, everything is a losing battle. Amen? 
Outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, everything is a losing battle. So we need to set our affections on things above. Number three, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. But Brother Francis, I'm so tired of being a Christian. I'm so tired. There's just a few of us. I hope we can be like these other churches or these other groups. There's so many of them. They all look so happy. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Amen. Keep on going. Keep one more step in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. The Lord Jesus Christ is about to return to catch us away. Amen. Comfort one another with these words. Jesus Christ is about to come to catch us away. Be encouraged. Amen. And last but not the least, rest with us. So many tiring things in the news or whatever you hear from wherever. In the computer, whatever media. So many noise in daily life leading us to different places. Rest with us, knowing that the Lord Jesus Christ is about to return to catch us away. How about you today? You might be discouraged, or maybe you're not saved. I hope you are. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you are, maybe the noise of life is bogging you down, or maybe the news current events, pain in family, pain with your work, pain with finances. Praise God. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of His dear face. I feel sorry for you. You got to look at this face every Sunday. <laughs> Well, one glimpse of his dear faith, all sorrows will erase. Bravely run the race till we see Christ. Amen. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, that you, you are coming, our blessed hope. Lord, so many things going on in life that bog us down. We thank you that we can be comforted with the news, with the fact that you are about to come and take us away. Please help. I pray, Father, that if anything, you, the Lord Jesus Christ, is, was lifted up in this message. And that people, that every one of us, including myself, were encouraged so we can go on, be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the, word, in the work of the Lord. That we can comfort one another and that we can keep looking up and that we can rest on you. Thank you, Lord, for your words. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.